Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. I'm Paige Miller. And I'm Lillian Kim. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and under the Grain Talk tab at gfo.ca. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. This podcast is sponsored by the Ontario Federation of Agriculture. In this episode of Grain Talk, I speak to Dana Dickerson, the Manager of Market Development for Grain Farmers of Ontario, about the Grains Innovation Fund and other projects currently underway. And I will have a conversation with Brendan Burney, Chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario's Board of Directors. And this week, we spotlight HR on the farm. First, a Grain Talk news update. Registration is open for Grain Farmers of Ontario's 2021 Women's Grain Symposium. Join us online for three morning sessions on November 15th, 17th, and 19th. Topics covered will include sharing your story on social and talking to the public with Michelle Miller, the farm babe, a market update and outlook report with Bailey Eichlinger, Grain Risk Management Consultant of StoneX, and a leader character session with Dr. Marlene jansen Lebert. PhD, Professor of Leadership Studies with Bresca University College. You may individually register for any or all of the sessions, register and attend all three sessions, and your name will be entered into a draw to win a Yeti prize pack valued at $500. You can find the registration link at gfo.ca. The provincial government has announced Ontario's Fall Red Tape Reduction Package and introduced the Supporting People and Business Act. The legislation is intended to promote economic stability and encourage investment while keeping Ontario families, workers, and the environment safe and healthy. Ontario is proposing to expand the online license plate renewal service to heavy commercial vehicles over 3,000 kilograms, including farm vehicles and buses, in 2022. This change would allow heavy commercial vehicles to be renewed online instead of going into a service Ontario centre. Green Farmers of Ontario is conducting a farmer member survey and we want to hear from you. The survey helps ensure we are meeting your needs and addressing issues of concern, helps us deliver programs and services of value, and helps us understand more about farmer members. All farmer members received a survey in the mail with their September issue of the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine. However, we encourage you to complete the survey online. Go to gfo.ca slash survey. If you complete the survey online, you will be entered into our monthly draw for one of two $100 gift cards, your choice from selected retailers. And congratulations to our September winners, Brad Baker and David Webster. Keep listening for my conversation with Dana Dickerson. As Ontario farmers work through a busy harvest season and start planning for next year's growing season, OFA would like to remind all farmers to prioritize their mental health and wellness. Think of your mental health as a dashboard using these helpful tips. Check your own levels. Are you close to empty on energy, patient sleep, and hydration? Or are you cruising close to a burnout? Find ways to recharge. Hobbies, staycation, and breaks from everyday farm tasks. Do a circle check of your network. Check in on your neighbors, friends, and family. And when you ask how they're doing, really listen. Don't hesitate to reach out for help. Some issues need outside expertise. Look for help from a specialist if the situation is overwhelming. Just as you look out for the well-being of your livestock and crops, remember to look out for yourself and your community. For mental health resources and helplines, visit ofa.on.ca slash mental health. Mm-hmm. 
Joining us on the Grain Talk podcast this week, we have Dana Dickerson, the Manager of Market Development for Grain Farmers of Ontario. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dana. Thanks, Rachel. It's great to be here. Now, you are fairly new to the role of Manager of Market Development, only been with Grain Farmers of Ontario for a couple of months now. You know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, just so that our listeners know who we're talking to today? Sure. So I joined GFO at the end of May. Um, I joined coming from a more of an international agri-food trade background. So I worked for about eight years with the British Consulate General in Toronto, and I worked supporting UK food and drink exporters to develop the markets in Canada and in the US. So this was looking at things like British beef and Scotch whiskey and you know, English cheese and that sort of thing, getting into the Canadian market and the US market. So working along the lines of um, looking at trade promotion and business development and kind of understanding different regulations and market access barriers. Uh, so at the end of May, I joined GFO and I was really looking for an opportunity to work for Team Ontario, support my local producers and get involved with Canadian agriculture in a way that I wasn't really able to from the outside looking in in my previous role. I also have a bit of a farming family background. So my grandparents farmed all kinds of different grains uh, near Chatham-Kent in the town of Thamesville for many years and uh, was really interested to kind of get back into the family business side of things. So what have you learned so far about Ontario grains? You know, is there anything that's been maybe a bit interesting or something you didn't expect, even though you had that little bit of a a farming background? Yeah, absolutely. It's been um, uh, a lot of drinking from the fire hose in terms of technical information. (laughs) The role definitely demands um, a good understanding of, you know, how our grains are grown, uh, the process by which they're, they're brought to market how we look at grain quality. And this year was a really interesting year for me to join because it was one of our most um, uh, challenging years for wheat production in the province uh, because we had a lot of rain uh, just prior to and during harvest in certain parts of the province, which impacted uh, pre-harvest sprouting uh, for our wheat. So um, it was definitely a year where I had to get up to speed very quickly on you know, how that can affect wheat quality and what it means for the milling and baking industry. Um, So spent a lot of time really drilling into understanding the difference between grading and commercial specifications, things like falling number, uh, so that, you know, when we, we wanted to sort of have dialogues with our end users, which is really the big part of my job, um, we were able to kind of talk them through what had happened in the field this year and what it was going to mean for the wheat that they were going to be able to find uh, in the market for their uses. When you started off saying drinking, I thought you were going to take that in a totally different direction and comment (laughs) on the whiskey and beer that can be made from our grain products. Well, that's definitely an area I have a lot of experience in. In my old role, I spent a lot of time touring distilleries and breweries, uh, and I'm really excited to embrace Canadian whiskey um, in this role. And learn more about the different spirits that are produced. Uh, we, we actually had the LCBO come in and do a presentation for our Grains Market Development Committee uh, in August, and they talked about all the trends that they're seeing from, you know, a lot of interest in local sourcing and really kind of highlighting the provenance of Ontario spirits and terroir back to the consumer. 
um, as well as, you know, what they're looking at in terms of sustainability. And they, ha they have a whole campaign around the spirit of sustainability. So we're, we're interested to see what opportunities there might be to really highlight that field to glass story here in Ontario. Now, you mentioned wheat harvest and the wheat harvest survey and some of the challenges around that this summer. What were the challenges? What was our survey telling us? And, and what was, you know, some of the information that, that came out this summer? Every year we do an annual wheat harvest survey. So we collect usually about 300 to 350 samples of wheat uh, throughout the harvest and that those come directly from the elevators. So we work with our elevator partners to collect these samples and then we bring them to our other partners at SGS Labs where they do analysis on them. So they'll look at grading the samples. So whether they fall from kind of a grade one, two, three or four, they also look at certain commercial specification tests, like looking at what the falling number is. So that is a, a, a test that looks at basically an assessment of pre-harvest sprouting in wheat by testing um, the alpha amylase that's present in the wheat, because uh, that can really impact baking. And then they um, also will do a series of baking tests. So everything from baking little loaves of bread to baking cookies and really kind of trying to identify, um, you know, the quality of the wheat for different milling and baking purposes. So that project starts at the right at the beginning of harvest in July. And we're just kind of in the phase of wrapping everything up now that the tests have all been completed. And throughout the Throughout the summer and early fall, we're communicating the results that we're seeing on the grading and the falling number. And then around this time is when we actually go and we meet with the, you know, millers and key end users of our grains locally and a few internationally, uh, and we present to them on what we've seen this year. Uh, so it was definitely a challenging summer because there was, you know, uh, a lot of uh, conversation out there about the quality of the wheat. And we wanted to make sure that we were getting out there and um, sharing our results in real time and making sure that our farmer members kind of knew what was going on and what to expect. So we had a couple of initiatives. Um, at the end of August, we partnered with OMAFRA uh, and some other stakeholders from the green industry, including OABA, AgriCore and Seeds Canada. We brought together a little round table uh, to do a retrospective on the harvest talk about some of the issues that we saw, as I mentioned, some of that pre-harvest sprouting. And some of the results out of that were really identifying that the weather issues that we experienced this year were quite exceptional. They'd not been witnessed since the 90s uh, to the same degree. So some of that quality variability that we saw was very much an anomaly compared to other years. And we also saw that there, there was some really good quality wheat out there. There's some challenging wheat out there, but there's also some really good quality wheat uh, that's making its way and finding a home with uh, our millers and bakers. So just this past week, we've been doing our first few meetings with some of the different millers um, and and end users and talking to them about what they've seen. A lot of our harvest results uh, have really aligned with uh, what, what they've been seeing in the market. Um, and we've been having really good conversations with them about where they want to see wheat acres going in the future. Um, a lot of dialogue around sort of the sustainability expectations and questions that they're starting to hear from their customers and how we can work together to really present 
um, a strong narrative about what's happening on farm and all the way down through the supply chain. That dialogue with Millers really sounds like it's an important part of the work that you're doing within market development. From your perspective, you know, why why are these conversations important and, and what do you think that the Millers get out of that relationship that you formed with them? Yeah, I think it's really important that we have a role in, you know, uh, collecting this information so that we know what we've got in our bins um, and that we're really helping to shape that narrative with industry and making sure that they feel informed and confident and engaged. Many of the millers, you know, at this point in the season, they've seen a lot of wheat come through their doors. So they are very, um, very well informed on what's going on. But there's, you know, certain information that we have um, that they're interested in seeing as well to kind of double check their own results uh, and and just sort of hearing from our perspective, they, they like to be engaged with us. Uh, they like to have a relationship with farmers, um, and you know they. I think they really want to, um, as I said earlier, be able to demonstrate to their end consumers uh, what's kind of going on back in the fields. Uh, right now, food literacy is at a real high here in Canada. A lot of consumers are more interested than ever about what is going into their shopping cart and where it's come from because the pandemic really brought it home for everyone about the importance of supporting their local industry and also having sort of um, supply chain resilience here. So I think the more we can have that dialogue uh, between, you know, farmers and GFO and the end users, uh, the more confidence the entire system is going to have and the more folks are going to continue to to look at growing um, opportunities for our local production. The wheat harvest survey you mentioned is conducted with SGS and we have invested in the Grains Analytical Testing Laboratory with a, a joint venture that's been going ongoing now for the past five years um, with SGS for that lab. I guess, you know, from your perspective, you know, how is that a benefit to Grain Farmers of Ontario? And, and how does that really help, especially in a challenging year like this? I understand that Paulo Santangelo um, helps with some of these discussions with Millers to sort of bring that technical voice to the discussions. Absolutely. Yeah. So Paolo really brings kind of uh, a level of credibility and an understanding of the really highly technical, you know, processes of baking um, and wheat quality that um, really helps us guide those dialogues and be able to kind of match the the quality level, the quality discussion levels that are happening um, with the milling industry. At SGS, they're able to conduct baking tests that really match those that you'll see in mills or in bakeries um, to be able to really shape that story. And so that we know what's going on uh, in the field and we can, you know, report some of that back to farmers. So if there's changes they might want to think about making, then they've got some of those insights. Um, one of the things that was really interesting this year is there was a lot of concern about falling number um, and, you know, in certain areas where we saw that regional variability, having some quite low falling numbers um, compared to previous years where we've really been spoiled with quite high falling numbers. So to give you an example, a falling number of 250 and above is fairly typical for what we might see in a given year. This year we had, you know, some that in some specific areas was maybe as low as 50 and then others that were as high as 400. 
and I think what we were able to see this year with some of our tests and with some of uh, the tests that were going on within industry is that for certain processes, it's possible to utilize the falling number that's below 250. So for certain um, things that you might bake, you might not need to worry as much about having a really high falling number in the 300s. And we've seen that the industry's been able to adapt and flex a little bit with what some of their minimum specifications are around falling numbers so that they can make better use of the grain that's out there and not have any waste. I think that leads nicely then into our our next topic that we wanted to delve into, which is the Grains Innovation Fund, which, you know, I know is all about finding new uses and new adaptations for our, you know, how processes work in terms of being able to use Ontario grain. Why don't we start with, you know, what is the Grains Innovation Fund and what are you looking for with that program? Absolutely. So this is a project that I was really excited about when I started at GFO, because one of the things that really motivates me in my job is seeing innovation and finding the next, you know, new product that's coming out there. Uh, And that was what I loved in my old role about finding products overseas and bringing them to Ontario. Uh, But now the opportunity to really play a role in developing new products within Ontario and having them be kind of completely homegrown is extremely exciting for me. So the Grains Innovation Fund is a project that um, is in about its 12th year of delivery. It's something we do annually where we send out a call to industry to come to us with proposals for projects that are really going to make a step change in opening new markets for Ontario grains, expanding the use of or demand for Ontario grains, or really promoting Ontario grains as the best choice for consumers, whether those be domestic consumers or international consumers. So we ask uh, potential project applicants to come to us with proposals for projects that will utilize a minimum of 40 metric tons per year of Ontario barley, corn, oats, soybeans, or wheat, or crop residues. Uh, And those projects can receive funding to up to 60% of the cost of the project, up to a maximum of $50,000. So any single project um, could be funded up to $50,000, as long as that is uh, 60% or less of the project. So we've opened applications around, I think, the 4th of October. And once those close, my team will be reviewing those applications to look at sort of making sure they meet eligibility, um, having conversations with the applicants to ensure that they've given us all the information that we need. And then we'll bring those projects to our market development committee in November and then review them uh, in December in person or in a virtual context where we'll go through sort of project by project, looking at the merits of each and the potential for those to really make a step change in opportunity for our farmer members. And then ultimately the market development committee will take decisions on which product projects have the most potential and which ones we should fund. And then in late December, early January, we'll go back to our project applicants and let them know if their project's been funded and get going on making these projects a reality. Can you give some examples of past projects that were a real success story for the Grains Innovation Fund? In past projects, we supported the Ontario Cattle Feeders Association to promote Ontario corn-fed beef in international export markets. So they undertook a campaign that really highlighted the contribution of Ontario corn 
in the product quality of Ontario corn-fed beef. So uh, it, for those who don't know, uh, Ontario corn-fed beef um, really benefits from the, the input of corn to really push the, the full rich flavor of Ontario corn and the robust marbling. We've also worked with non-food products. So one of the ones that we supported a couple years ago was the Straw Boss. So they're a premium straw processor company and they used our fund to advance the use of Ontario straw in their pelletized straw production, um, which they use as an alternative to traditional bedding options for livestock. So it's a bit more of a, it's a drier product that's a little bit more environmentally friendly uh, and they use the fund to support a project uh, to kind of grow the opportunity there. We've even produced uh, in partnership with 1847 Stone Mill, a cat litter. So they were looking for an opportunity to utilize one of their byproducts from their uh, wheat milling uh, where they produce flour. And they created a product called Relit, which will be coming to market soon. And it's 100% compostable dust-free, anti-clumping, smell-free pet litter that uses um, basically a byproduct from the wheat milling process. Uh, so really great kind of circular economy story there. And another really great circular economy story was uh, our partnership with Sunrise Soya and the Provision Coalition, uh, which is going to get a little bit of traction at the end of, well, quite a lot of traction, we hope, at the end of October. Uh, so they undertook a project where they looked at the production of tofu in the province using food grade soybeans. And they had a byproduct from the tofu production process called Okara. And they wanted to see if they could commercialize that into another food product that could then be brought to retail. Uh, and they were able to identify and kind of make a commercial case for an upcycled ramen noodle that used the okara from the soy process. And they put that into a food kit that uses the okara ramen noodle, some tofu from Sunrise Tofu and some other upcycled food products from Ontario. And those are all going to be celebrated in a food festival at the end of October and launched in Sobe stores. So a really great opportunity to basically find a new market for unused Ontario soy products. Um, but also we think it's going to introduce a lot of new consumers to um, Ontario food grade soybeans. So we're really excited about that, that project. Is there a certain number of projects that you're hoping to fund? Oh, that's a good question. It really depends every year. So I wouldn't say that we necessarily um have a set number of projects that we're looking to fund we're definitely looking to maximize as many applications from as broad of sources as possible so we have a good amount to choose through but really it comes down to the quality of the projects and and what you know what ones make the most sense so we never necessarily have a minimum amount of projects that need to be funded really it's down to kind of which ones are the best ones and which ones are really going to maximize the opportunity for ontario grains whether that's sort of growing the utilization of ontario grains within sort of key users or really growing a, a marketing opportunity and narrative to really bring more recognition of ontario grains as ingredients in food or as you know industrial uses or anything like that the Greens Innovation Fund is a significant investment that we do make within the industry. Why is this fund important? You know, how does it help our farmer members? 
So I think it's really important because innovation is so critical to the industry and it's really important for us to be thinking about what's next, what's kind of coming down the line in terms of new food uses um, or, you know, new opportunities for Ontario grain. We've seen kind of the utilization of Ontario grain, you know, change throughout the decades. We've had the introduction of ethanol has been sort of a game changer for corn. Uh, we're seeing a huge amount of interest for consumers in plant-based proteins and meat alternatives. And we need to make sure that we're not only looking out for those trends and being able to seize them, but actively trying to shape and support our partners down the supply chain to be able to really optimize their business and make sure that they're choosing to use locally sourced Ontario grains to, to really bring that innovation to life. So it's really, it's about supporting the downstream supply chain to be competitive because when they're competitive and they're using our grains as ingredients, then we're competitive. Food sector trends is sort of a, a bit of a hot topic right now. Our October Ontario Grain Farmer magazine is, is focused on market development. And you actually wrote one of the articles in that issue for us based on food sector trends and sort of what changed during the past year and a half as a result of COVID. What were some of the insights that you learned while writing that article? Yeah, it's been a it's a, been a very difficult year to track trends because there's been so much change and so much flux. I think so many people thought that we would be out of, uh, you know, the pandemic by now. And clearly, you know, we're still dealing with a lot of restrictions and there's been a lot of um, different consumer shifts in terms of their interests and their habits. Uh, so one of the things that I touched on was the fact that even as we are seeing, you know, some opening up of, um, you know, different uh, at home versus in home food consumption opportunities in terms of workplaces reopening and restaurants reopening, um, we are still seeing some stickiness of uh, consumers wanting to continue to embrace a bit of a homebody economy. So you hear a lot of talk about a K-shaped economic recovery with some consumers having some pent up savings that they're keen to spend as they see the uh, the economy reopening and they've remained in their jobs. But there's other folks who have not uh, fared as well throughout the pandemic and who have spread very thin uh, and who, you know, are going to, to struggle with affordability. Uh, and I think we're going to see that K-shape when it comes to folks adopting more of a outgoing, you know, sort of social lifestyle in terms of being keen to return to the office and wanting to go to events and restaurants and others who have really become comfortable with working from home and spending, you know, their time on at home and eating at home. So I think that that really will impact the types of products that we see whether we see kind of a return to food service uh, and a rebalancing from the majority of a food consumption happening at home to out of home. Um, we're also continuing to see a lot of focus on wellness. Uh, so throughout the pandemic, we definitely saw a lot of focus on Im immuno, uh, you know, foods that people felt supported a healthy immune system. Um, but we actually hosted an oat day earlier this year where we brought in some experts to talk to our farmer members um, about opportunities in the oat space. 
And they were talking to us about the focus on, you know, carbohydrate rich comfort foods that Canadians are really looking to have some comfort and um, products that really remind them of their youth and make them feel cozy, but also they want them to be healthy. And that's a really great opportunity for oats, we think, because um, though they are, you know, carbohydrate rich, they're also really high in fiber and can really support keeping glycemic index values low um, and blood sugar levels balanced and really promote gut health. So that's one of the trends that we're definitely seeing in the wellness space that we think has a lot of opportunity uh, for oats and, and for wheat as well. My preferred way to eat oats is in an oatmeal cookie. So I'm not sure how well that fits into the wellness trend, <laughs> but at least I'm still getting my oats in. Absolutely. It's getting them in that counts, right? Now, some of the other um, interesting articles that we have in the October magazine, um, you know, there's a wide variety of things happening when it comes to market development, but maybe a, a note to our farmer members, particularly those that are maybe in the Hamilton, Niagara, um, you know, more kind of the central region is a change in shipping options at the port of Hamilton. And they've started being able to ship grain in containers. You know, what do you think um, in terms of the impact that's going to have for our farmer members? Yeah, so we think it can be a really great opportunity. Um, we're still not entirely sure uh, exactly how it's going to progress because it's such a new option. Um, but certainly we think for things like food grade soybeans and perhaps some of our, you know, processed foods, we think it could be a really good opportunity. Um, we've had some great dialogue with our colleagues at the Hamilton Port Authority and at the Hamilton Container Terminal about you know how we can optimize this um, and really uh, grow some some more options for shipping uh, products. We know with the pandemic, it's so important for us to have as many options as possible um, so that we can avoid sort of delays and disruptions. Uh, so we're hoping that this will be something that more uh, more of our partners within the supply chain utilize to open new market opportunities within Canada and internationally. Uh, one of the things that our team really looks at is opportunities to grow investment in processing within the province. And I, we've seen in some other articles in the magazine this month talking about um, some opportunities for processing food grade uh, soybean protein isolate in the province. So there's a couple players that are looking at potentially building some processing plants here, um, which would be quite novel for us. And that could really create an opportunity to have more products that could be produced here in Ontario and then you know, shipped across North America to consumers. Uh, so really hopeful that this will be something that will give us more options for moving our grains internationally um, and domestically and uh, hopefully increase utilization here in the province. There's a lot happening currently with market development. Have you had a chance to maybe step back and take stock of what you think is maybe going to be the next big issue or challenge that the market development team at Green Farmers of Ontario is going to have to deal with maybe as we head into 2022 and we, we maybe hopefully come out of this COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, so I think um, one of the things that we're hearing a lot about from our partners within the supply chain is sustainability. And we have uh, a really fantastic story when it comes to sustainability and our ecological footprint here in the province. And I think we are really going to need to 
really more proactively uh, communicate that story and authenticate um, some of our messaging. And we're very lucky that we have a fantastic colleague on my team, Mike Buddenham, who's our sustainability lead and who is really an absolute expert on all this sort of stuff. Um, but really looking at what are kind of some of the challenges that we're going to be faced with down the line for maintaining and protecting and developing our markets um, when there's a lot of sustainability expectations and sort of question marks out there that we need to be able to answer. So uh, there's a lot of dialogue around, you know, carbon footprints of agricultural production um, around you know, quantifying um, some of our quality, you know, quality messages when it comes to sustainability and matching some of the narratives that are being put out there by some of our competitors. What my team's really uh, focusing on is making sure that our farmer members have all the tools that they need to be able to tell a really strong sustainability story, um, that we're promoting that story on their behalf and that we're preparing them for anything that may come down the line in terms of, you know, regulation or customer expectations that they might need to either adapt to or help shape how those develop. I think that's a really important thing is that, you know, these expectations and any sort of um, requests that might come from our supply chain that we're actively working at shaping those to make sure that, um, you know, they're not a burden on farmers because um, we're already doing really fantastic work, um, particularly compared to some other parts of the world in terms of sustainability. And the really important thing is making sure that we're really getting that story across um, in an authentic and sort of clear way. Well, it sounds like there's going to be lots more to talk about in terms of market development uh, as we head into 2022. And so we look forward to getting some more updates from you, whether here on the podcast or in the magazine, as we've said. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, Dana. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Rachel. It was a pleasure. This year's winter season may seem longer than ever with another year of limited in-person gatherings. As the temperatures drop, it's important to check in with yourself as well as family and friends to ensure that everybody has support where they need to thrive. Be sure to check your own levels. Are you close to empty on hope, energy, patience, sleep, hydration? Or is your check engine light on due to burnout? Find ways to recharge. Find new ways to take mini vacations from farm tasks. Make time for hobbies, books, pets, and time with loved ones. Do a circle check of your network. Check in on neighbors, friends, and family. When you're asked how they're doing, really listen. Don't hesitate to reach out for help. If you sense somebody is struggling, reach out to them. Look for help from a specialist if the situation is overwhelming. For mental health resources and helplines, visit ofa.on.ca slash mental health. Joining me on the Grain Talk podcast today, we have our chair, Brendan Burney, joining us. Hi, Brendan. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So harvest is clearly underway across Ontario. Um, how is harvest going for you guys? Oh, there's been kind of stops and starts down our way. We had uh, we haven't had the big rainfall that other areas have had, but just we got some rain and then a lot of overcast days and heavy dew in the morning. Um, these last couple of days have been kind of opened back up to to get some done. So. There's a lot of soybeans off in the area, still a lot to go. Uh, I think across the province or 
there are areas that soybeans are are completely done their harvest and guys are on to uh, corn and we have seen some corn coming off in our area as well yeah i've seen over twitter and uh and a little bit of facebook that it was a little wet for soybeans so people switched to corn and i could never quite understand that because i thought that they'd be it'd be if one was wet, then the other one would still be kind of wet. Well, I think the the soybeans at this point, we haven't had the hard frost that really kills the plant completely. So the beans are still taking on moisture. Um, so even if you haven't had a lot of rain, they take on that moisture and they were sitting over 20%. And at that time, the fields weren't super, super wet down this way. So there were some early bids on corn and, and guys got in and, and started shelling that uh instead and i did even see somebody in essex uh i think it was yesterday they posted that they had started with corn um things flipped around with the weather they flipped to soybeans and then they were back to corn so they had kind of a busy day of switching the combine over and keeping things going but some of the soybean windows have been pretty small down yeah. our way yeah so i guess that would be, keep it interesting and kind of keep you always on your toes and not sure what what's coming down the pipeline with that weather yeah, there's a lot of that old uh, hurry up and wait. Yeah, you hurry up, get everything <laughs> ready, and then you're sitting around waiting for the weather to turn around. And uh, I know other areas are more waterlogged than we are, so we've been kind of fortunate that way, just waiting for uh, a little more sun to, to come out. But uh, like the last couple of days here, there's been a lot of beans coming off. So last time you and I spoke, the uh, election campaign was well underway, and we were waiting to find out who would be the next prime minister if it was going to be a new PC government or uh, an, another liberal government or even an NDP government. And and now we've got Trudeau as a as our leader again. Um, so what does that mean for Ontario grain farmers? I think it kind of means that we continue on the path that we had set out, I guess, uh, with Marcus when he ended his tenure and then when I took over as chair. Um, you're just trying to work with government on some of the pieces that we can. Uh, the rebate that was in there for carbon tax on grain drying, we want to kind of push on that and see where it stands because it wasn't mentioned uh, during the election uh, run up. And we're kind of at this point at a standstill a little bit because you're waiting to see who uh, who stays in their role or who the new ministers will be and what their kind of mandates are. And, and none of that's came, but We'll continue to kind of be at the the table and try to to get things done for Ontario grain farmers for sure. So with that, is there hope that that bill that was passed or got through or that was working to get through will come forward again? Yeah, yeah, I would certainly hope so. Uh, That exemption bill was was put into the Senate, but it was at the very last minute. And uh, with the election call, that process will have to start over. So we are planning to, to have some discussions along that way to see whether the, uh, the particular MP that had put it forward uh, would be willing to, to do the same now and then also talk to uh, the other sides to, to ensure that uh, there'd be support there. But we would certainly hope so. Uh, it went a long way in a quick time. And I know for grain farmers looking at it, it, it probably seemed like it took a very long time. But in terms of the wheels of government, uh, we were told that it actually moved very quickly to get to where it was. It's just the, the Senate didn't have time to actually uh, take a look at it. By the time they got it, they only had two days that they were sitting and uh, a long list of, of things they had to go through. So we are hopeful on that. Understandably. Um, so with 
things kind of still in that like virtual, non-virtual kind of aspect. Grain Farmers of Ontario is putting on a few virtual events in the next upcoming months, I guess, or actually even weeks uh, with November being right around the corner. Um, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about the Women's Green Symposium and why it's so important for female farmers to kind of get involved in that? Sure. Yeah, I've I've heard really good things over the years coming out of that Women's Symposium, and I'm glad that we're able to offer a, a virtual element and continue to do it. Uh, I think there's three sessions or kind of morning sessions, so they don't block up your whole day. And in terms of the importance, uh, we know that we have a wide variety of farmers across the province. And we just want to make sure that we're including as many voices as we can at the uh, the table and having discussions and getting input. And um, it's very important to, to have events like this, to whether it's just having a group of females together and they can kind of share their experiences in agriculture and maybe share with us how we can be more inclusive. Uh, we're open to that. And it's also a, a really good learning opportunity. I know there's some market discussion and some talk on leadership and things like that that uh, that are important really to anybody. But in this case, we'll be kind of specialized towards women. And I think it's a great opportunity. And I hope that uh, plenty of women will, will take it up. And then I look forward to, to women uh, stepping into further roles at GFO uh, and, and kind of continuing their involvement. Yeah, and those dates are November 15th, 17th, and 19th. And if you're looking to register, you can go to gfo.ca slash events for all of that information. Um, well, with that, Brendan, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day. I know you're sitting in a tractor cab probably waiting to get ready and get going. Um, so thank you again for sitting down with me and having a chat. No problem at all. Yeah, it's a busy time of year, and uh, but I'm willing to, to make the time. So thank you. As a business owner, you rely on your workers, but managing a farm workforce can be challenging and complex. I want to tell you about a great resource, the AGRA-HR Toolkit from the Canadian Agricultural Human Resource Council, also known as CARC. CARC has developed this toolkit from years of research and field tests to help improve your people management skills and develop key resources to help you find, retain, and support your employees. The toolkit's divided into 10 HR topics. The topics include health and safety, compensation, training workers, succession planning, and even diversity and inclusion. You'll also find tools and templates for things like creating HR policies, developing a farm HR plan, and information on how to develop a general health and safety training program. The toolkit's delivered through the CARC website, so it's easily accessible and all templates and guides are downloadable and you can customize them to meet the needs of your business. The AgriHR Toolkit is normally a paid resource, but GFO has made it available free to all of our members. If you're interested in accessing this resource, email hr at gfo.ca and we'll send you a promo code for free access. Thank you for listening to our Green Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash Green Talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Daner Dickerson, Brendan Burney, and Sarah Plater-Finley. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.